like embarrassment. Who cares? Yeah, I don't. When you're getting my muscle shirts for sixty percent off. When you're making that much money by not spending, like oh, you win. Huge. Yeah. Huge. of Unbroke, Property Finance Podcast. You're with Matt and Rachel. Rachel, hello. Hello, Matt. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How That's are you? That's the way. I'm good. Looking bronze. You've been at the beach recently, have you? Do you know what? I haven't really been at the beach, but I have been training for my first triathlon. So I think I've just gotten, like, just, just been in the sun, you know. You've just had all just those UV harmful things. rays. Yeah, so many. Beating down on you. Hey, I wear a hat. <laughs> <laughs> All I've right. Been good. I've been so good. look, it's that time again. You got to yep. tell me what's your unbroke moment of the week. What's how have you managed to become more unbroke? Unbroke moment. Well, this one's quite an interesting one, Matt. I. Do you know what? I've lost it, but it's going to come back to me. Give me two. <laughs> There's been too many. Oh no! Here we go. This is actually a bad story. Okay, let's hear it. So. It's been a bit of a hectic couple of weeks. So, like, I got one of those HelloFresh discounts and I was, like, so pleased with myself because I think I got, like, 50% off the first yeah, box. Which, great. And when you get the 50% off, you get 50% off whether you're getting, like, the two-meal one or the five-meal one. Mm. So, obviously, you go with the five-meal because you're just getting such a bigger discount, Oh, right? so you think. No, but you are. Okay. Like, in dollar terms. Yes, you're up. You're making more money. Okay. If you yeah. get the five-meal because yeah. you saving more dollars yeah right sure. yeah okay because you're getting 50% off on five meals instead of on two meals mm-hmm. right so I'm like great doing the five meals we're getting it for two weeks fantastic I get it but then like sorry to shame on HelloFresh but the vegetables that came the lettuce was dripping brown yuck when it arrived that's disgusting and the carrot what did you do about that Rachel was soggy Ew. like it was bendy Disgusting. Well, I guess it's a classic. You get what you pay for, isn't it? I mean, yes. Yeah, they'll <laughs> probably like, pay for. They'll probably like this chick's gotten the fifty percent off. Give her the bad veggies. Yeah. And then I contact customer service, which is like punishing. Yeah. I'm on live chat, classic. <laughs> and then they give me a five dollar credit. Which do you know what? Like to be fair, Something's I only paid like sixty five bucks for five meals, so it's for two people so i yeah. was winning but like it sounds like a real quality control i know someone who works out i'm gonna speak to them anyway it was shocking and like then i got this week's and again like the lettuce was actually okay but again like the cucumbers got some like smushy bit like not okay yeah anyway so so what is that you i made actually made five dollars back uh, yeah so i did get a credit and yeah. it was worth the live chat like that's a coffee yeah so winning <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how you put it in those terms isn't everything it? is perspective yeah how about you manny well this week it, gone it was about cost avoidance for me so actually it was nice weather oh. for once in sydney so mm-hmm. i walked into <gasps> the office well done. Four out of five days. So that's you know, massive. That's instant three dollars sixty one times four. Not gonna do the mental math, but it's a lot. wow. Like we're up. And do you know what? Like people say, oh, living in the city is expensive. Like yeah. If you're on foot. But if you're on foot, you're saving heaps of money on having a car and petrol and all the rest. Totally. Hello. Yeah, completely. So that was my moment. So well yeah, done. it's cost avoidance really. That's Proud what of got you. us through. And you're like, literally shredding. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you're burning calories and you're saving money. I mean, what's not to like about and it? And probably like sweating like a trooper too because it's yeah. been so hot. It has. It's been humid. Yeah, again, great for the calorie burn. Genuinely. All right. Well, let's get on with it. So there's our, our moment done and dusted. Done. What are we talking about today? Moving I on. will answer. I will ask myself and then answer that question because I am actually the host. <laughs> you are the host. <laughs> for today. Um, we're going to talk about property and why it's appealing for people to invest in. Mm-hmm. And people use the term asset class. So I suppose yep. let's use that. Um, so in a nutshell, let's just discuss briefly what is appealing about property for Australians particularly. Mm-hmm. And do you see anything changing in that respect? Let's start with the appealing components. Yeah. I mean, I guess the biggest, most obvious glaring thing is that property is something that we all need, right? So I guess when you compare it to, and I think it's helpful to compare asset classes because you actually understand it a little bit easier, but Mm -hmm. comparing it to shares, for example, property, you don't need shares. Mm -hmm. No one needs shares, but property, we all need a place to live. Yeah. Um, And so I guess for that reason, there's always going to be demand. Like Mm -hmm. when we talk about, you know, what makes investments go up. I mean, there's so many things that factor into that, but a key element is demand. Mm-hmm. And the supply. more, yeah, like the yeah. more demand for something there is, mm-hmm. the higher people are probably willing to pay because there's competition. Yep. I mean, God, we know with the market at the moment, like the rental market in Sydney mm-hmm. at the moment is a perfect example of this. Yeah. Unfortunately, renting's not investing, but the concept still stands where because there's so much demand, you'll have kind of 50 people at a, an inspection in Sydney, right? Mm-hmm. If you were the only person at the inspection, you might even be able to offer, let's say the rental price is $500. You might even be able to offer $400. And if you're the only person at the inspection, you might get it for $400. Yeah. But if there's 50 people at the inspection, Mm -hmm. you might have to offer $600 in order to secure that property. Mm -hmm. Same property, but there's different price willingness depending on competition. Sure. Um, So I guess back to the point... Property is something that we all need. Therefore, there will always be demand for it. I guess that's one thing. Yeah, okay. So, And people see that and it's a lived experience. So, they connect to it. Yeah. For sure. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, So, that's that's one reason. I mean, is there anything else in regards to, I guess, property being a physical asset that you would say makes it attractive to people? Yeah, I guess. I think, well, for one, being able to – it's kind of abstract that you can live in something – it gets older, like, you know, the building is depreciating over time and becoming less, there's, yes, less utility in a building, but yet yeah. it's potentially getting more valuable because of the supply and demand. Mm. Like, that's always been a bit wild to me that that's mm. even possible. Yeah, that like, something that it gets, gets less old, new. Yeah, yeah, it's less new and less good. So, why is it worth more? Well, yeah. I think the key is that in property, you're mostly paying for the land. Yes, yeah. Like, the value, mm-hmm. like, the biggest difference in property value of is land size, but more so where the land is, yeah, right? For sure. You could have the same exact house mm. at wildly different values depending on where it is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So okay, make, cool. I guess it's more about that, right, maybe? Well, it seems like most, oh, yeah, a lot of Australians would agree yeah. because 66% of people either have a home loan, mm. as in they a mortgage property, or own it outright. So yep. more people own homes in Australia either outright Mm. or via mortgage than people who rent they do they do and i guess it is like security would be a big thing and Mm -hmm. it is that physical it's a physical nature of property but it also is you know the way our society works where if you're renting a property 
you don't have rights. Mm. Like it's a really interesting one when you actually look at, and we won't get into detail on this, but if you look at Australia versus the rest of the world, there's massive differences in renters' rights around mm. the world. Like in a lot of European countries, for example, you actually – it's very hard to kick someone out of a rental property and there's a lot of it people – sounds like a nightmare if you're a landlord, which is I like mean, such a capitalist way to view it. It is. Like, yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm going to view it that way. Like I guess like being brought up in that system, and you're the owner. But I think, yeah, I think there's perks to both. Yeah, um, and I sure. think it is truly about like the way that the society's constructed. Mm. Um, and maybe, maybe we're way yeah. more capitalist than we actually think. Yeah. Oh, our society is like very are we capitalist. Basically, America, but slightly better in terms of social. <laughs> oh God. Or are we? Ever better I wouldn't even better? say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we portray ourselves as better yeah i don't know if we actually are yeah. i mean we won't get into the full ethics of totally australian capitalism um yeah. but just it is very different in australia people do want to own like owning property is a massive thing here yeah. um much more so than it is in some of the european countries and a big part of that i guess is in order to feel secure in your place of where you live in your home mm. here you have to own there yeah. is no security in renting. Here. Makes sense. That's, I guess like that. that's fundamentally you know, the difference. You know, I often hear quoted a saying, which is, if you show me the incentive, I'll show you the outcome as well. Please which explain. Is, yeah, I know. Like, what? Um, okay. But, yeah, <laughs> but think about it. Like, okay, so um, examples of misconduct in the past, kind of going off topic but related, yeah. is like you can almost trace bonus structures in organisations to behaviours that employees, like take so risky mm-hmm. risky practices or whatever if they're encouraged to make sales so same in australia like the incentive in australia through some of the tax settings yep. exist yeah um the fact that family homes like owner occupier residents that are their principal residents are exempt from capital gains tax mm. and and etc doesn't that kind of so again it's all pointing in that same direction almost encouraging home ownership totally i think mm. our the way that our system is set up definitely encourages people to buy property, yeah. which again back <laughs> creates more demand, which creates more so pricing you agree pressure. Or not with the system, like you've got to just accept the reality of the current state of play. Totally, yeah. And I mean, we are, I guess, forced into the game in that sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is interesting. Totally, because you know this isn't really a moral judgment on like agreeing or disagreeing no. or anything no. like that. It's just purely. It's actually the way the current structure is. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting. And I guess that is further evidenced by the fact that 50% of Australia's wealth approximately is actually in property. Yeah, it's massive. Both residential and non-residential commercial property. Yeah. Which is kind of like wild, really, isn't it? Like... Yeah, when you think of... where all the stored wealth is. Totally. And when you think of like all the other ways people could have Mm. their money, like other assets, you think about um, businesses, cars... Mm -hmm. you know, shares, everything else, you know, it's a massive, massive amount of wealth that is stored in these big, <laughs> or not so big in my case, my one-bedroom apartment, but yeah. <laughs> the, these assets, these physical assets. And I think kind of leads us on to that next point that we wanted to chat about, Maddie, which is like that physical show of wealth. Mm-hmm. Do you want to kind of touch on that point? Oh, yeah. I guess the concept is, again, so you could walk around with, um, so say you chose to invest in shares. Yeah. Potentially a really great option for a lot of people, um, but you can't. You don't really walk around with your share certificates in your briefcase and no. then like flash them and be like, "Oh my god, I'm hectic! Like, <laughs> look how rich I am. These shares are worth so much money." Doesn't really happen. Yeah. But what does happen is trophy homes and mm-hmm. people being able to 
sort of point out to their friends that they've got a physical possession, if you like, Mm -hmm. to actually point out and say, this is mine. And so that's, again, another element of like the human psyche, which is being able to possess something and own it. And that's it. I think like we'd all love for investments to be logical and to like follow the laws of math or whatever, but like they don't. They're so emotional. And the way that markets work and the way that, you know, investments work, it is emotional. Mm. There's other elements to it totally and financial reasons, but a lot of it is emotional. Yeah. Like people invest in property because they want to feel successful bunch of other reasons why they do as well but that is definitely a significant one and it's the reason why like in reality we could all pretty easily live in a very similar sized home that didn't look that nice and did the job but we don't yeah correct and people are constantly striving to afford millions and millions of dollars worth of property yeah because that is you know it says i'm successful um and it you know i mean again this could get into quite a psychological discussion but you know it it can sometimes afford you entry into a certain social class yep. for example yeah um or you know yeah access to a certain group of people mm. it, it is an element of that you know as is where you send your kids to school or what car you drive it's kind of the these physical or you know in the world um showings of of wealth for sure yeah well another fact that's interesting i think i don't know maybe it's not interesting to our investors but um, because like Australians have a passion for property, it seems given the numbers, sixty-six percent approximately of Australians own yep property. Um, like the whole thing is compounded by the fact that we've got investment properties in this country, which yep. is abstract for a lot of other economies yeah, in the world. It's not that common in some other countries. Yeah, and like over two million Australians actually have investment properties, which yeah. is actually one in five taxpayers. That's quite that? high. That's I think high. that's quite high. Yeah, yeah, it seems high. I don't know. Is it high? One in five. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of surplus. So have we got a lot of abundance in the country? And as in we're all kind of low-key killing it and therefore there's extra surplus? Or are people just so committed to actually getting those, getting on the ladder or what they think is the ladder? And that's Yeah, up. I mean, I think, again, back to the way our system's set up, our tax system, and again, we won't get into tax advice, but our tax system is set up to benefit people that have investment properties and you can go and you know do your own research with the ATO on that or speak to an accountant but yeah like there are incentives Mm -hmm. for it um so I think people do aspire to having an investment property um and I think again it's the way that generations before probably before our generation but very much still kind of seeds down is that that has been the education system is build wealth through acquiring multiple properties that's Mm -hmm. kind of been a thing yeah um and so I think it is just trained, learned behavior and the way reckon, society set up. How, so Australia, modern Australia, has grown a lot since yeah, World War Two. it has. And a lot of that was, inverted commas, nation building and yep. actually creating greenfield projects of yep. infrastructure and then housing and things like that. So there's been like a good run yeah. in terms yeah. of like growth. And then Australia's or immigration policies have been quite pro bringing people in and growing yep. the population quickly. Yep. So all of those growth factors would. Yeah, and I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to look into it more, but I guess like with more immigration, there's obviously a lot of demand for property in Australia, um, and so I think it's whether demand follows supply or the other way around. I feel like there is demand, so we're constantly needing to build 
new projects, new suburbs, new properties. Um, but I wonder whether, you know, let's say developers build properties. Those are kind of snapped up before even the next wave of demand comes in, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know a lot about you know, immigration and I won't talk to that probably an area we need to do more research in. But, you know, is it people that already have wealth sitting on the sidelines ready to go that kind of snap up those properties and how does that actually then impact people that probably that need that accommodation mm. and are they the ones that end up renting you know mm. it's it's kind of that that inequality part of it as well um but do you think in terms of the changes in property price over yeah, the last yeah. let's say 50 years in australia uh, because of the the growth factors of immigration mm. and growing the population and compounding it quickly, compared to like war stricken Europe, yeah, World War Two and everything like that. So we've got a it's a totally different economic circumstance. It that's is taking place and demographic mm. environment, um, and therefore that's driven. So I don't know. It's interesting yeah. to speculate about what the future might look like. And in terms of like a place to live, mm. Australia is a very attractive place to live. Mm. Where do you live? In a property. Therefore, yeah. property is probably, you know, it's yeah. a growing <laughs> a growing country in a place that is, you know, pretty safe to live in. There's lots of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is attractive and therefore the properties which are what people live in <laughs> are probably going to be attractive too. I think it's just, yeah, the laws of human nature really. Okay, and then for you, what were you looking for when you started to acquire property? Or yeah, I guess like it? why did I? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's something that would go through, I guess, is the power of leverage. Um, it's quite an investor, investy term, if you like. Break um, it down for me. Break it down. So the best way I explain it to people for the first time is if I had $1,000, right, and I put that into the share market and I got a 10% return at the end of a year, I would have $1,100. Yeah. Yeah. If I took that $1,000 instead and put it into property, now <laughs> you can't buy a house for $5,000, but let's pretend you can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I bought a house for $5,000, so I'm using $1,000 as my 20% deposit. Mm-hmm. So I've still only got $1,000 up front. I put that into property worth $5,000. And it might take a bit longer, but, let, but let's say after a year, it's now valued at, I get the property revalued and it's now valued at, um, what would be 10% more? It would be $5,500 the yep. property's valued at. Yep. So the, the property's still gone up by 10%. So in both scenarios, the investment's gone up by 10%. In the first case, I had $1,100 at the end, so I'd made $100. In this case, at the end of the year, the property is worth $5,500, so I've had a gain of $500, mm. but I've still only put in $1,000. Yeah. So that's the difference, right? Making $100 versus $500 mm. on, the, on the same percentage return, yep. so still 10%. Yep. Now, you can't compare those like for like because in scenario two, which is the property example, you're borrowing money. So mm. there are other costs that are involved and that's interest repayments on the amount of money you've borrowed and there's also other costs that come with owning property, mm. um, you know, such as strata fees if you live in an apartment, um, property management fees, potentially. correct, transfer mm. duties on the acquisition. But in the long term, you can start to see how, you know, if you're getting a similar percentage return, which 
over the last 30 years, property has been slightly lower, but a similar percentage return. You can see how scale it over how much scale money. you can get over the long term. Yeah, mm. with um with property, you know, like if a 10% return is 500, a 20% return is, is double that, you really start to see how leverage and leverage means that you're leveraging debt. So you're borrowing money and yes, there's cost to that, but then you're actually getting the total return mm. on that borrowed money. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where you really start to see the difference between an investment with no debt or no leverage and you know, we can get into good debt, bad debt, but no leverage versus leverage. So were you genuinely, that was being contemplated but as you were attempting that to, to acquire That to me was property. the only reason really. Yeah. Um, so it was purely a scientific choice of like the yeah. potential upside. Yep. I'd say so. Because um, look, I was a bit unsure about buying property. Um, I was going, oh, well, you know, what if I want to travel in the future and what do I do? And it just came to me where I was like, well, Rachel, you rent it out and you figure it out. Like mm-hmm. you there are ways around it um, and, you know, there's totally ways to structure things and change it up. Um, but it is a big decision and it is, you know, less flexible technically than than shares that you can kind of buy and sell as you like. Um, but, yeah, for me it was really the opportunity to have those, those bigger returns over time in yeah, the long term. For sure. And to start building the other thing. So we spoke about, you know, property price growth. Um, but the other thing is – with an owner-occupied property, actually in both cases, but let's take owner-occupied, every mortgage repayment I make, yes, some of it goes to the interest, but some of it actually goes to equity in my property. So I'm actually paying myself almost or Mm. starting to build equity in that property and otherwise that money would just be going to rent to someone else. Yeah. So I'm actually getting, I'm paying myself rent. Mm. (laughs) Um, while there is other costs. So, there, there's the t- both elements of that there. For sure. Yep. It must be of – maybe people don't express it in those terms. But maybe they maybe only commonly understand that to be the case without realising maybe – Imagine you're your own landlord and yeah. there are costs to that, but you are – yeah, yeah. you're your own landlord. Nice. Well, yeah. you've summed up beautifully. All right. Well, I guess we've covered off why there's an obsession. It's around the stats. It's yeah. around the incentives that exist in our system and – um, the desire to feel safe and comfortable in your own mm. home potentially and the opportunity to have like, overall scale of return. Yep. Anything else you want to add? Do you think like how does Australia compare globally? Have you done much look? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was an interesting article I saw last year. I mean, we all know how crazy property prices have gotten to. Um, but Australia actually became the richest country in the world. Wow. Um, and obviously that was based – so that was based on like a pay, what they call paper wealth. So it wasn't that we had the most in our bank accounts. Um, but we actually had the highest – and the interesting term here is we had the highest median wealth. So the difference between average is like you get the whole wealth and then you divide it like evenly by each person. Um, Averages and then, always seem misleading. Don't they, they are. They are. population level. Totally. It's not really a measure that's – makes much sense totally well the difference like i'll compare two countries in a sec but like the median for example the median to alternate to that is the middle person so directly in the middle of the population what is their wealth and that was the highest in the world was it that was the highest in the world so australia has like if you took all australians and picked the middle wealthy person like the person that was smack bag in the middle if you lined everyone up tallest to smallest in in terms of wealth the middle person 
that was the highest in the world in Australia. But could they use the wealth? But do you know material possessions? Well, so it was all based on the fact that our property prices have become so inflated over the past two years. I see. Yeah, mm. and because we have such a high rate of home ownership, mm. that's yeah, that's why it. that yeah. amplifies the wealth. Makes sense. Um, the difference was like in a country like Hong Kong, for example, they were also they were quite at the top for. Um, not sure whether they were like first or they were definitely in the top four, but they were in the top four for average. Now, the difference there is their wealth is a lot more um, skewed. Yep. So, you've got the very, very wealthy in Hong Kong, which, you know, had a lot of financial, um, it was kind of big financial capital. Mm. So, you had a whole bunch of people that made heaps and heaps of money, but a lot of the population was also really poor. So, Mm. if you, you know, if you spread out the big wealth amongst everyone, it was quite high. But if you picked the middle person, they were actually far lower. Mm. Um, And so... That kind of made me happy about Australia because I was like, genu- like the wealth's more evenly spread in Australia because mm. um, mm. the middle person was the most wealthy rather than just having a high average wealth. Do you think that these stats, like they're retrospective, obviously, it's the past, yeah. and now we're in the present, um, but to the future, do you think that that kind of is like, oh, well, you know, damn, like I've missed my opportunity or is there actually still lots of opportunities for people in Australia to, you know, get into, even to get into a property market? Like, I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Well, I think it's actually really supportive because the national psyche seems to suggest that like the desire and willingness to sacrifice, if you like, or, you know, make choices in order to obtain properties mm. in order to grow wealth is still there and also live. But, you yeah. know, and, and actually motivation is to grow wealth in a lot of cases. Mm. So I would say... It's on balance, really good messaging from that point of view. Yeah. I mean, when you think about Australia too, we're such a young country. Mm. Like we're only 200 years old as a country. Yeah. Um, so I think there's so much room to grow. I think more and more people want to move here. You know, you and I both work in the tech sector where there's a few companies that have gone overseas, but we're really still, you know, quite a domestically focused market. So I definitely see so much opportunity for it. Uh, both people coming into Australia that want to live um, foreign investment into Australia too, I think will definitely mm. continue. Um, but then I also think Australia is a country, you know, where we're bringing in people that have awesome skills, you know, mm. for example, in the tech sector, which will then, you know, lead our country to become more wealthy as those skills are able to be exported. We've got, you know, companies that are based in Australia that are making money overseas as well and, and bringing that money back for spending here. Mm. Um, so, that global expansion of of, com- of companies um, that are based in Australia, I also think, will lead to Australia having, you know, a general, generally higher wealth um, and higher spending power. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I think there are totally headwinds at the moment when it comes to, you know, the the global financial economy. Mm. Um, that may last for a few years. We don't know, um, but I think the general signs point to a positive long-term outlook for australia fascinating yeah but we'll, Rachel, we'll have to see it's been really good chatting you too matt should we i think we'll wrap it up wrap there. it up there <laughs> i think we should yeah yep, and we will be back very again very again yeah. what <laughs> we'll be back again very shortly making look, up words look forward to it can't wait thanks matt thanks rachel